the second episode of the Jedi Heckle Podcast. Again, anybody can come up with a better name than that. Hit me up. Um, <laughs> the intro music is uh, a guy named Will, William Flynn. Yeah. We, uh, we had mentioned him in the first podcast, and I said, shout out to that guy. Well, at the time, we didn't have his music, but now we do, so that's pretty sick. Um, so, Michael... First off, how you doing? I'm doing good. That's how are good. you? Good. <laughs> you look a little nervous. I'm a little nervous. I've never <laughs> talked. I don't like microphones, and I've never done an interview, so this oh, is. Oh, why not? You see, no you're one's kind ever of asked me. you're kind of a celebrity. <laughs> you're funny. <laughs> um, basically, to start off, how how did how did we meet? Like, I guess the three of us, because you kind of met both Austin and I at the same time. Yeah. How would you How would you say we met? Um, well, to back up a little bit, I initially met Austin through the Ransom Church. Mm-hmm. I didn't meet you until I believe you guys asked me to photograph your wedding. Mm-hmm. I think that was our first real encounter. I feel like there was one or two encounters um, at church and, and at a stampede game where okay. we were like walking past you and Austin was like, Jenna, like elbowing me, like, Jenna, that's Michael Lydia. I was like, who? Who is that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and I was like, who? Oh, who? Like, that's like that really good photographer. I was like, oh my gosh. So that's like, uh, I don't, like, funny. I mean, I think we like said hi to you or something and you were very reserved, and I was like, I don't know if he thinks we're that cool. We, we shouldn't talk to him. You, you guys are cool. I'm just a very reserved person, naturally. And I have no memory of these encounters that you're describing. That's, that's but don't, right. don't take it personally, because I have a terrible memory. That's okay. I'm typically good with faces, typically, but I'm mm-hmm. terrible with names. Terrible? So. <laughs> okay. So... So you would say we like ran into each other a couple times and then like after we asked you to do our wedding we like got together if you like and you were like so this is what a wedding day looks like with you know me and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I need, yeah, I need you to talk a little more Michael. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> what, what, what would you like to know? I'd like to know like first impressions really. Yeah. And why the heck you're still friends with us. I mean, I can think of one really good reason, but we'll get to that. But <laughs> There's a good reason. Um, so so what were, like, first impressions, would you say? Yeah, man. Um, I honestly don't remember my first impressions of you guys, but I know that I've enjoyed being around you guys, you and Austin, and getting to know you enough that I've continued to want to hang out with you on a regular basis. Um, and... I feel like that just kind of keeps a, a, a fire, or a, what would you call it, like a pilot light to the fire. And, I don't know, I, you guys are just, you're very genuine people, you're funny, you're passionate. Um, just a lot of fun to be around and continue to get to, get to know. It's cool. it's cool. But I still feel like I'm just scratching the surface. So scratching the surface. There's still a lot there to discover. Yeah, 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 there is. <laughs> So tell me, tell me about, tell me about photography. Mm-hmm. So how long have you been in the business of taking pictures of other people's love lives? Right. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not good with years and counting, but I know the years I started, roughly. 
Um, so I originally picked up a camera. Sorry, I'm gonna make a lot of awkward noises. <laughs> <laughs> right. I originally picked up camera with, with somewhat serious intentions um, over a decade ago in 2008, I believe, when I got out of high school. And uh, kind of pursued it on the side for a while, but it wasn't until about 2011 that I started photographing weddings and started to kind of um, pique my interest in that area. Um, but I don't feel like it was until about 2014 or 15 that I really started kind of finding my stride in my groove in that, what my style was, and I started getting really passionate about it. Do you remember your first wedding? My first solo wedding? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Did you, like, leave that going, that was a load of crap, and everything was garbage, and I hate myself? Uh, That's kind of how I felt the first a, time I did a wedding. A little bit, yeah. Um, part of that was because it was just a rough day in general uh -huh. that was out of my control and out of the couple's control. Uh-huh. It was like in the middle of January or February. It was probably five degrees outside and windy and cold. Like the the, the uh, wind chill was definitely sub-zero. Mm -hmm. And the wedding party was massive. And I had no idea how to work with a wedding party of that size. Mm -hmm. So I was struggling all day and did not know what to do with myself. Do you feel like do you feel like the your work came out like decent? Like were, were the couple like pretty cool with how everything turned out or that's a great question they never gave me any feedback so i couldn't tell you i would say considering the circumstances and it being my third wedding ever having attended with a camera mm -hmm. i would say i did a pretty good job that's good not trying to float my own boat but the the circumstances were pretty rough looking back on it i think i did better than mm -hmm. i probably would assume I would do now. But you rose to the occasion, essentially. I did. Yeah. yeah, I made things work mm -hmm. as best as I could. So it like, was pretty rough, though. <laughs> who did you used to shoot with, like for your first weddings? Because you said you didn't do it solo for right away at first. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was uh, a friend <clears throat> of mine, an acquaintance of mine, that I met through my brother through college, and she had a photography business. And I kind of shadow along with her for, I think, one or two weddings. Um, and that was all it is. Up to that point, I don't even remember the last time I went to a wedding before that. So I didn't even know what a wedding ceremony looked like at that point. Really? Yeah. I feel like I, I was, was just like... I was pretty oblivious. I, I've been to so many weddings. Like, I have, a, like, herds of cousins and, like, siblings that I'd been to more weddings than most kids my own age. Like, by the time I was, like, 12... I was like, yeah, I go to like four weddings every year. Don't you have cousins who get married every year? No. <laughs> so I knew, I knew everything about weddings, not to, you know, Yeah. brag. I did, I did not. I, I had been to a handful of weddings, but I was young enough at that point that I didn't really know what was going on. And yeah. I didn't really care. Yeah. Um, so going into those first couple weddings, I, I didn't really know what to expect or what I was doing. Yeah. Definitely, kind of winging it, winging it. So, do you do you ever have second shooters when you do weddings? Occasionally, I'd say maybe a couple times a year, mm -hmm. but not too often. Um, do you feel like it benefits you in any way? Occasionally, um, I kind of learned to photograph weddings by myself, and I, I kind of came to 
master that pretty quickly on my own terms, I would say, where I, I became pretty comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's kind of what I knew it as photographing weddings. So getting into it a couple of years later, photographing an entire wedding on my own was not something I would ever think twice about. It would mm-hmm. just be second nature at that point. Mm-hmm. So occasionally I, there are circumstances where having an assistant or a second shooter is very beneficial. Um, but I, I know how to manage and get through a day perfectly fine without one. Mm-hmm. Probably the greatest benefit of, of it right now in these days is that I'm not as lonely on a wedding day because <laughs> I have someone to talk to. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I like quote unquote second shot with you mm-hmm. in December. That was so much fun because I really didn't feel like I had to do anything and I was just following you around pretending I was working. <laughs> do you know how many people like ask me what like our photography business was called? I was like, <laughs> let me correct you. That's funny. It's his photography business. I'm just his friend helping. I like said helping very loosely because I didn't feel like I did anything. <laughs> I was just kind of there and I was like, Michael's like handed me a camera to make it look like I'm doing something and I'm not. I'm just here. <laughs> You're being too humble. No. You were helping. You, sure. You were. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's what was happening. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a lot of fun. Good. I'm glad you had fun. I was like, I don't really know because I can tell he's like in work mode and I can't tell if like me being around is being helpful or like more in the way and I was like maybe maybe more in the way and I was like you know if you never ask me to do this again my heart's not gonna be broken but if you ask me to do this again I would definitely do this just because he just needs someone to hang out with him (laughs) I I might take you up on that no you you definitely weren't in the way you were definitely helpful cool um but yeah when when I shoot at weddings and kind of get into my groove at work in general I, I kind of get tunnel vision and I just get so focused on that I, I start to become a little oblivious to things around me mm-hmm. um, so if you felt neglected anyway don't take it personal no you got you and Austin actually have similar mindsets when you're like very serious about something or working you get kind of tunnel vision and I can tell when it happens because then I'm like just back off just back off a little bit <laughs> Which isn't a bad thing. It's a good thing. It means you're good at what you're doing. But So tell me, how do you feel like your photography style has developed over the years from like the first time you picked up a camera to like currently? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so originally when I first picked up a camera, um, I don't know, I even know what my style was. I was at a point where I was still taking pictures of flowers and mm-hmm. just any sunset that was happening on any given day so basically everybody who started in photography ever yeah 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 so i was on par with everyone else at that point just expected yeah um a lot of the types of photography i, I was interested in that i was coming across that was was uh catching my eye it was very dramatic um professionally lit lighting that was very col- col- colorful and moody um, and lit with a lot of artificial lights. And I loved that, but I didn't know how to reproduce that. I knew mm-hmm. I needed lights, but I didn't have money to buy lights because those cost thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the meantime, I slowly, as I kind of experimented more, I, I began to fall into finding ways to create dramatic light or dra- create dramatic portraits with dramatic lighting. Mm-hmm. Um, 
with sunsets or uh, I did a lot of concert photography so sometimes it involved that and that's mm-hmm. the kind of stuff I was drawn to um, by the time I started photographing weddings I really didn't know what wedding photography should look like or did look like I, I had never looked at wedding photographers before because I wasn't really particularly interested in weddings mm-hmm. um, but as I started shooting them I, I started noticing a lot of people were shooting like this very light and airy and bright um, kind of pastel looking colors and lighting in their photos mm-hmm. and I, I understood that as this is what wedding photography is this is what it's supposed to look like so right. I, I started trying to find ways to shoot that way and edit that way to emulate that mm-hmm. but after doing that for about a year or two I was kind of unsatisfied with it sorry that was my phone Michael <laughs> how could I Oh my goodness. That's all right. No, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> I'm not sure which is worse. <laughs> Don't um, think about it too hard. <laughs> so, but by that point, a couple of years into doing weddings, um, kind of started figuring out that I need to find my own style and my own look. Um, partially because I felt like that's what that that is what was going to give me joy and satisfaction in my work, mm-hmm. but also from a branding and a success standpoint, I needed to find something that was unique to me that I could offer to my couples and my mm-hmm. clients that someone else was not offering. So I began to look at work online elsewhere, and just started to pinpoint. All right, what what catches my eye? What do I find inspiring and moving? And I started to put together uh, a Pinterest board. Believe it or not and kind of started nailing down a collection. I looked at them as a whole, and I was like, oh, these are all kind of dark, they're kind of moody, they're dramatic, they're deep, rich colors. And I was like, all right, I need to find a way to start getting back to my roots, because that's what I I originally loved, and I need to start finding a way to emulate that and use that um, in wedding photography. So Mm -hmm. that kind of began for me, I would say, in 2015. And I started trying to create that in my work, that look. And it kind of began to snowball over time with that to kind of well, where, where it's at now. And it's it's not done evolving either. I think it's that's something that changes over, mm-hmm. the, over the course of a lifetime. Each individual artist, whatever type of art form you're in, whether it's music or painting or photography. Um, it develops over it, time. It develops. changes it's, as you change. Yeah, yeah. it's going to change. Everyone's going to have their own unique style and the best artist of any kind in the world, like you can hear or see or feel their artwork and you know who created it usually, mm-hmm. if it's really well done. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's always gonna involve a little bit over time. One of my favorite examples of that is the band Switchfoot. You can go back to their very first albums. You you hear their sound, you feel their energy, and you know that's a Switchfoot. Gosh, you you jump forward 20 years, hear their Still new music, them. completely different style, but you hear it and you know this it, is Switchfoot. Yeah. Gosh, I love Switchfoot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So would you say now, currently, you're still in that, like, moody, kind of dark colors, sort of, like, natural, like... I am. Not superposed, Mm -hmm. like, style? Yep. I I try to uh, lean away from the posing as much as I can and try and um, help create moments with my couples to Mm -hmm. get real reactions and emotions out of them. Mm -hmm. Um... The disadvantage for me in that now is that, and this is something I felt coming about three years ago, was that the whole photography and wedding industry was going to start sliding away from this light and airy look mm-hmm. and start sliding into this, this darker, moodier, dramatic look. And it's, it's 
fully there now. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I'm beginning to blend in with a lot of other people that are catching up with that. Somehow that's becoming a trend. <laughs> so the darker moody it, stuff. It's, it's making it difficult, more difficult to stand apart in that. Mm-hmm. I think for you, I think probably one of your, the best aspects that you have working with you is that how communicative you are from my perspective as mm-hmm. the client. I think, because we reached out to a couple different photographers, I think Michael was the most, like, communicative and, like, was always, like, ready to answer questions that we had, and then we are like, oh, yeah, we're going to go with him, this is an open weekend, that works for all three of us, and, like, we like his style, yeah, there are other styles that are similar, but, like, the best communication has been from him, and I think Hmm. that was a big, big selling point for me. So. That's that's very interesting you say that. I, I've had a very similar experience. Um, as you may or may not know, I'm recently engaged. What? <laughs> Get out. <laughs> uh, and went through, a, obviously, a very similar experience looking for wedding photographers myself. Mm-hmm. And I've always known the readiness of communication with whoever you're, you're talking to mm-hmm. is can be very crucial. And it wasn't until I reached out to a half dozen or more other photographers that I was interested in and asked them about their work and how, depending on how quickly their response came back to me and how clear their response, how, how big of an impact that had on me. Mm-hmm. There were some people that would reply within like hours or less than a day. And some people would take four days to get back to me. Oh, man. And I very quickly wrote <clears throat> those people off because I'm like, well, you're not answering my questions. You're kind of avoiding some of my questions. Mm-hmm. And you're taking a really long time to get back to me. And mm-hmm. you're not being... I mean, I understand people get busy. But having gone through that, I, I think the gravity of those situations kind of rests even more heavily now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So... So this, I'm going to transition into a different form of photography that I feel like you've probably been into for a while, but more recently I've been sharing. This work is more of your film work. Yeah. So how long have you been doing film? Um, I think, well, if we, we want to be official, I would say the first 35 millimeter film I ever shot, I was probably in middle school on yeah. a disposable camera. And they were all terrible. I never thought about it again after that. But it didn't start piquing my interest until I believe it was 2013 or 14. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in there, um, my mom had an old Minolta X700 35mm camera. That was kind of our childhood family camera. Hundreds, if not thousands, of photos were taken on it. And uh, my mom had no use for it anymore, so I, I took it off her to, she told me it was broken, I tried to see if I could still make it work. It was as simple fix as putting a new battery in it, so, uh, Moms. which was pretty funny. <laughs> just funny in my whole childhood, it was like, oh, this camera never works. It turns out it just battery. needed a battery, that's oh, all funny. it was. Um, so I, I kind of fiddled around with that, I put in a roll of expired, uh, I think it was Fuji film or something like that. Um, the film was probably 10 years plus expired and I shot through that and got it back and I was just kind of blown away with what it looked like what it felt like to shoot it and get those images back and not having remembered every photo you had taken mm-hmm. excuse me and not having any idea <laughs> if any of the photos were going to turn out yeah. and because uh, you're you're very much shooting blind and I kind of shot through one roll and I thought hey that was really fun I should do more of this and I kind of put it on the back burner um, 
and didn't explore too much of it because um, I just didn't know that much about film and what it realistically what it could look like to shoot with that kind of stuff and how good it could look um, if you really honed in on that skill. So it probably wasn't until the last year and a half or two maybe that I really started to dive into that more and shoot different types of film and explore that a little bit. And then I started getting rolls of those films back, rolls of that film back, um, and they started getting better and better. And then I noticed, as, noticed that like, oh, like the more I'm learning about this with how light works and how metering works, the more it's coming back how I envisioned it to. Mm -hmm. And I started receiving an insane amount of joy out of it where I can remember um, I sent off a half dozen rolls to a lab just this last summer and it came back to me. They, they send the digital scans back to you. Mm -hmm. And I was almost like shaking with joy and excitement when I opened them yeah. because I was like, these go back for like the last half year. I don't remember what photos I had taken and I was just so excited. And yeah. I don't remember being that excited about film or about photos in general, mm -hmm. I should say since I maybe first picked up a camera. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to shoot more of this because this is exciting and fun. And most people in this generation probably don't really care about it, but I don't really care because it's giving me joy. So yeah. I'm going to keep pushing for it. <laughs> yeah, and if, if it's something that like brings you joy, I think you should definitely do as much of it as you can because like you, like you said, you haven't felt that kind of joy picking up a camera in like a long, long time. And I think that being an artist and that's like your full-time job can be kind of like emotionally and like creatively draining sometimes. So to have like another outlet of like mm -hmm. being creative but in a different way is super awesome. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're shooting Matt and Jenna's wedding all film, right? Uh, not all. Right? Not all? Some no, film. Some film? Okay. I'm not, I'm not that confident in my film shooting. Oh. <laughs> But some film. But some film. Yeah. So that, that'll be like the first wedding you do in film, right? Yeah, it probably will be, yeah. Do you think any, after that you'll offer it to other couples? I think I might. I, even before that, I've been thinking about actually doing an engagement session first and shooting through all of that on film completely. Oh, yeah? Just to push myself more into that what would you well I guess it wouldn't be it'd be pushing myself out of my comfort zone more mm -hmm. because I've never really done that I've shot a few frames here and there at engagement sessions but never full roles let alone full sessions mm -hmm. um, and I kind of want to start pushing towards that so that can be an option yeah um, but yeah I've never shot a wedding on film and Matt's would be the first that I'll kind of really experiment with that more mm -hmm. um, I'll still shoot most of everything probably still on digital just as a safety because like I said, I'm not entirely confident in my skills enough yet to allow a lot of the really big important moments to be shot solely on film. Um, digital is still substantially safer and mm -hmm. cheaper. It'll still be really cool though. It will still be really cool. It's a lot, it's a lot cheaper. Film's expensive. It is really expensive. <laughs> super, super it's super expensive. Assuming that every time you click the shutter, that specific frame turns out properly exposed I, th I think on average like you're still spending like what 50 or 75 cents if not more per image yeah depending yeah. on the type of film you're using yeah. so like best case scenario maybe 50 cents an image but each time you don't you have an image that doesn't turn out it's just driving that price up so yeah. 
I've had roles where I'm probably paying like a couple do- dollars per image that I'm taking. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so it's an expensive in, hobby. <laughs> I should get into the film printing business. <laughs> yeah. You make so, a killing. Yeah, literally. So you do a pretty decent amount of traveling for, for your work. Yeah. What would you say is like what outsider's perspective is on like the expectations of being a traveling photographer and like the reality of it Mm. yeah i think a lot of people i talk to that i don't see on a super frequent basis one of the first questions they ask me is what's my next adventure where am i going next where have i been lately because their expectations and, and this is partially my fault um a lot of the photos i end up posting are I kind of spread out over a long period of time from past trips I've been on and stuff that I haven't got around to posting. So it appears that I'm I'm traveling all the time um, when that's not necessarily the case. So I think, I feel like a lot of people's expectations are that I'm I'm traveling like several times a month for weddings and shoots and adventures and whatever like that. And when I would say 90% of my time is still spent in my hometown Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not actually traveling that much. Um, for several reasons. One, it's, it's time-consuming. It's also really expensive. Uh, and you need to plan that stuff out accordingly. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, and I'm, I, I love travel and adventures, but I'm also a homebody as well. And I, I love my home and I love my city. And what makes that home for me is the people that I surround myself with, and that's really important, all my, my close friends and my family. Mm-hmm. That's what makes this place my home, and I enjoy being here. Yeah just as much as if not more than anywhere else I've ever been before so you recently went to um oh shoot I can like see the images in my head from your trip Mm. but I can't think where you went Scotland Scotland that's Mm, right so you you recently went to Scotland solo Mm -hmm. that was like your first like really big trip solo right yeah that was my first international trip that I was where I was traveling 100% by myself and I didn't have any intentions of meeting anyone along the way. Mm-hmm. It was just, I, I had stuff booked out. Um, excuse me. I'm drinking a lot of stuff, so I'm burping. Um, yeah, I, 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 I've done international trips before as well as other solo trips before, but always with the intention of going with someone or meeting someone while I was there. Mm-hmm. This was a trip where I was literally going there not knowing a single soul and having no real clue what I was doing or... No, no real concrete plans. Did you? Do you think you'd ever do that again? Yeah, if yeah. if the opportunity is there, um, I would definitely do it. It, it was, uh, like I said, I, I travel quite a bit and I love to travel, but I'm also a little bit of an anxious traveler, where mm-hmm. I still get a little bit nervous moving into um, those circumstances and the unknown, which mm-hmm. is which is part of the excitement and the fun of it too. Mm-hmm. What was like the most memorable part of that trip? Hmm. Um, probably, oh boy. It can be good, it can be bad, literally. Probably the most memorable thing my mind goes to first, which was a good thing, but also a really terrible thing that happened. Um, I drove all the way up into northern Scotland by myself, um, to the Isle of Skye literally in the middle of nowhere where there's a couple of random villages every so often you drive through Mm -hmm. um but i was i was pretty much literally in the middle of nowhere yeah 
and I wanted to drive out and see this lighthouse, which is a pretty <clears throat> popular spot. So there were some people there. Mm-hmm. As soon as I got there, um, my phone died for some unknown reason. It locked me out. So that was dead. So I decided just to hang out, take pictures, and then I left. And my phone was still kind of gone and dead at this point. And I didn't really know how to get out of there because it was so far removed from all the main villages. Mm-hmm. So I just waited for someone else to drive in front of me, and then I was going to follow them out, assuming they would take me back to where I wanted to go, which was risky in itself. And I started following them. Before I knew it, it became obvious that the person in front of me didn't know where they were going either. Oh, good. <laughs> because we came to a T in the road, and they drove right into the middle and then stopped, and you could see their heads looking left and right, and they were wondering, like, so they started inching left, and then they stopped, and then they turned right and slowly started driving right. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Where am I? <laughs> this is where I die. <laughs> so I started going left, and I, I think it was right before this, this happened, I hit a random pothole in this tiny road, and these roads were probably seven feet wide at, at the widest. They're about the size of a bike path, and I'm mm-hmm. in this tiny little car. Mm-hmm. And I hit this pothole that snuck up on me, and it was, it was really hard to see because it was kind of cloudy and overcast, and everything was wet, so I don't know. I, I didn't see it somehow. I hit it, and then the indicator light comes on in my car saying my I have low tire pressure. So I was like, oh, no. And it's giving me, like, the actual numbers of tire pressure. So it, it was at, like, 100 PSI, and I was driving. I could see the numbers just start falling down to 90, then 85 than 80 like every couple minutes I was like well this is bad at this point this is when I realized I was lost and so was the person in front of me so luckily enough I just kept driving ended up finding a village and I was like all right I just need to find a garage and pump it up with air and at this point it was down to like 20 psi and I'm basically riding on the rim of the tire Mm -hmm. and it just turned into a whole fiasco and I had two different garages turn me down and said they wouldn't fix my tire because it was a rental car and it turned into a whole ordeal, and I basically got stuck in this little village, and I don't even remember what it was called, but it was in the middle of nowhere. And I ended up getting stranded there for the afternoon, um, waiting for someone to come and drive and tow me out of there and fix my tire. Um, And it it threw off my entire day, because I was supposed to continue driving and go see another village and check in my Airbnb and go, go on these little adventures. And basically the whole day just got foiled and I got stuck sitting in this tiny cottage hotel dining room eating some food and coffee in the rain waiting for someone to come and fix my car and I was basically stuck there all day. Oh shoot. So that's so basically like it, it was a it was a misfortunate misfortunate is that the right word? An unfortunate, unfortunate as you yeah, say more misfortune but it was a series of misfortunate events (laughs) yeah so it threw off my entire day and i was pretty upset about it um coincidentally it it also caused me not to be able to see um loch ness where the loch ness monster lives because by the time i was getting to that area i was driving through the night trying to get to the next town Oh. So I completely missed it. Shoot. I didn't know that until after the fact because I failed to do my research. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you live and you learn, I guess. That I think that's a good example of like, because I think you can post all the pretty pictures on Instagram and make it look like you're traveling and you're doing all this amazing stuff and it's so easy. And then like on the back end, it's like, well, 
this happen and it yep. sucks and I missed a couple really cool things but mm-hmm. like but there, there's a really great quote I love and I don't know who said it me probably you yeah but it says uh, an adventure doesn't begin until something goes wrong mm-hmm. and that's where I felt like I was really settling into this this vacation and this adventure I was on because mm-hmm. everything that day was utterly going wrong and then I felt like all right now I'm in the thick of it, and it's going to start getting good, and I'm gonna, it's going to be very memorable. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to forget forget this. Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Unless you get dementia. <laughs> I might. <laughs> okay, so no. I guess the last... <laughs> the last thing... I'm trying to leave it at that. last thing I have, I guess, would be... Tell us, tell us about your um, gorgeous fiance Alexa Day yeah. that um, I have to also love and have a fat girl crush on, and <laughs> you know all all of the above. Tell tell us about how how you met Alexa and yeah. all the things that have transpired since probably the summer of 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I had no idea she existed until late July, almost August of 2018. And, well, I was hanging out with you late July. I think it was July 25th. Oh, wow. He remembers the date. Oh, look at Austin. He's, like, blinking, like, I, dramatically. Like, oh. I, I wrote some of these things down. Oh, Sometimes okay. if, if significant things happen in my life, I like to journal in them, journal them and write them down. Did because you I have journal it, like, during that time? Like... Oh, did you, oh, after, after the, the fact, fact. Yeah. okay. Because gotcha. I, I knew the exact day that I met her. Gotcha. And I could also, I also have a picture of you and I in Austin um, the night that you told me about Alexa. I was a little um, under the influence that night. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. But, uh. My mom's gonna listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were hanging out, and you, I remember you forcing your phone into my face and said do you see this pretty girl you need to meet this pretty girl because she's amazing her name is alexa go follow her on instagram she's so beautiful and she's amazing <laughs> and i awkwardly just laughed and i'm like okay she and you're like isn't she beautiful I'm like yeah she is and mm-hmm. i'm just like i'm not gonna go follow her that's weird <laughs> and i also feel like i said something along the lines like of, i know you've been single for a while now and i'm not sure if you're ready for anything yet but like look at how pretty she is <laughs> like, <laughs> or something like that <laughs> um needless to say i think it was the next day i was curious like so i looked her up on instagram and you know how it says, you can look someone's profile up, and if they're already following you and you're not following them, it'll mm-hmm. say, do you want to follow them back? Follow back, yeah. At that point, I realized, oh, she's already following me, and I have no idea who this person is. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. So I followed her, and I happened to be at a coffee shop in town, and for whatever reason, this is a very popular coffee shop, but for whatever reason, in the middle of the day, I was there, and I was the literal only person in this entire coffee shop. So I thought I'd be you know, funny Michael, and take a Instagram <laughs> video of the entire shop and say, oh, I reserved this entire coffee shop for myself. And one of those jokes I make that aren't actually funny, but that's what makes them funny for me because they aren't funny. Mm-hmm. And she happened to reply to my Instagram story 
because I believe I had a... Yeah, I was there drinking coffee, and she replied and said, that's my favorite coffee shop. They have the best chocolate chip cookies. And I was like, oh, she replied to me. So I replied back, and I said, oh, their cookies are really great. I haven't had one in I don't know how long. I'll have to get one there the next time I'm at this coffee shop. So... Um, at this point, I had obviously already looked at her profile, was obviously already kind of interested, but kind of unsure of what this was going to look like going forward because I'm very hesitant and weary of meeting or getting set up by mutual friends because I, I have this deep fear of what if this doesn't work out? Is this going to sever or damage my friendship with my initial friends? And that isn't worth the risk to me. So I, I'm always very weary of this. But apparently I was feeling reckless those first couple days. So I went so back reckless. to... So reckless. <laughs> so I, I happened to be at the coffee, same coffee shop again the following day. And I kind of felt like flirting back with her a little bit. So I very intentionally put another picture of me at this coffee shop there alone. And I bought a cookie and I made sure to include the cookie in my Instagram story. This is like the most this millennial is, story in the, the world. This is the most millennial way of like flirting with this someone. Is, it's, it's, it's actually pretty embarrassing is what it is. Are you a millennial? I think I am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Um, but of course she saw it and she replied. And I don't remember the exact exchange we had, but she mentioned to me, hey, I actually work at this, this paper shop. I, I like to make fun of it and call it a paper mill because... She's a card store, essentially. Funny. I know, but if you say a yeah. paper mill, it sounds like this giant factory. And yeah, but it It was. just feels humorous. It's not really funny. No. It is to me. I'm going to laugh about okay. it. Sure, go ahead. The paper factory. <laughs> so she mentioned she's working down the street and says, Hey, I really love those cookies, you know, but I'm stuck here working until I think it was like 6 p.m. I can't leave. I don't have any food with me. I would be eternally grateful if you bought me a cookie and brought it to me. And in exchange, I'll give you free cupcakes because we sell cupcakes at our paper shop. And normally, if a random stranger asked of the, this of me, I would come up with some, probably some dumb excuse and say no. and Because I'm pretty antisocial and awkward. And, what? Were you homeschooled? Oh, I was homeschooled. What? Get out. <laughs> That's small. That's small. Me too. <laughs> oh my gosh. No one's told me this. Never. Oh boy. So, needless to say, I was feeling reckless, like I said, and mm -hmm. I just said, all right, yeah, I'll bring you a cookie. So I agreed to that, messaged her and told her, got up, went up to the counter to go buy another cookie, and of course, they are sold out of all cookies. But the barista happened to tell me that they still had chocolate chip scones, that were a day old and they would give them to me for free. So I said, sure, let's do that. Live on the edge. So I, uh, I happened to, so I got a chocolate chip scone and it was a Friday that this coffee shop gives out free espresso yeah, on free Fridays. Free espresso Friday. Yeah, it's amazing. So I also, I, I think I asked her if she likes, likes espresso and she said yes. So I got an espresso to go, which I thought they'd have cups for that. They didn't. It was basically one of those like wax paper Dixie oh. cups not ideal for carrying espresso in so mm -hmm. i walked down the street carrying this espresso paranoid i was going to trip and fall and spill it everywhere mm -hmm. and the chocolate chips going and i walked into her shop gave it to her and said hello extremely awkwardly um and actually i should back up right before this i was talking to you in austin on 
Our group message. Yeah, our group, yeah. group message. And I said I wanted to hang out with you guys. You told me Austin was working, but he'd free free later. And you were going to be hanging out with your friend Alexa that night, and then I should come and hang out too. <laughs> what I didn't realize <laughs> is that Alexa's Instagram name, I think, is just, just Alexa. Yeah. And I wasn't thinking very clearly. Who knows why? I didn't realize Alexa and Alexa, the person you were hanging out with that night, were the same person. Mm-hmm. So I agreed to come and hang out with you later that evening. Meanwhile, also agreeing to come and bring this this girl, Lexa, a cookie at this paper shop. I realized this right before I walked down there. And I realized, what do I do? Now the pressure's on. I'm about to meet this girl and bring her a cookie. And then I'm also going to hang out with her in a few hours. And I know nothing about her. And now I feel like extremely pressured and anxious. So I start, now I have to commit. I. I have to walk down to this coffee shop or this paper shop and give her her cookie and espresso. Meanwhile, I'm halfway there and I start having probably the closest thing to a panic attack I've had in my entire life. And I started breathing heavily. My heart was beating and I started to freak out. And I'm like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I kind of want to run away. What is happening? (laughs) So I awkwardly walk in. I I say hello and I hand her her cookie and espresso. And she looks amazing, of course, because she's just gorgeous. And I give it to her. And then I mention to her, oh, apparently I'm going to be hanging out with you and Jenna later tonight. She's like, oh, cool. And I'm like, yeah. Well, I'll see you later. (laughs) And I basically just walked out. (laughs) Well, after, and it's funny because after you left, she texts me and goes, hey, you know your friend Michael? I was like, yeah. I was like, we just met. And I was like, wait. <laughs> I was supposed to do that. I was supposed to introduce you guys. <laughs> I was actually like, I was like, what do you mean you guys just met? Like, what happened? Because I had been, every time you would come over to our house, I was trying to get her to come over too, like, casually. We're just going to all hang out. <laughs> And then it would never either work for her or you to be at our house at the same time. And then I was like, whatever, we'll just hang out tonight. It happened that she wanted to hang out that night, and you did too. And I was like, this is perfect. And then you go and introduce yourself by yourselves. And I was like, I mean, I'm not mad, but... A little bit. Well, only a little. A little. Just a little You're just bit. disappointed. Just disappointed. And it's funny, too, because we, we went to the source and just hung out for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I, that was the first of a couple um, dates that I chaperoned mm-hmm. unintentionally. Yep. That was, and she always was making sure that I was going to be around too because she was afraid of like it being weird and whatever. So she's like, Jenna, you should come too. I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Chaperoning my friends like dates and they're both older than me and I'm like this feels like weirdly high school (laughs) like what's happening Matt how are we doing on time you're at about the the time we talked about yeah okay all right so I guess to wrap up it Hmm. that's like your side of the story maybe someday I'll interview your fiance and we'll hear her side of the story Mm. so you won't we won't get into that quite this second, but I just want to bring up, um, prob- gosh, I don't know how long ago it was, but I just recently, Austin, I just recently had the privilege of seeing some home videos. Hmm. Yeah. Some Lidke home videos. Oh, my home videos. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> 
best night of my life. That's all I'm going to mm. bring up about that. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to thank Matt Bump again for letting me use his recording equipment and all that fun stuff. And thanks, Michael. Special thanks for you for being on my podcast. I Absolutely. Feel, feel honored that he, this is his first podcast and no one knows about it yet. Nobody's heard it except for the four people in this room. And hey, thanks for taking my wedding pictures because they don't suck. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, that's all the time we have for now, but thanks again for coming. Absolutely. Anytime.